Welcome to Sacred Realms. It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Willoughby. Matt, I want to do some quick math here. Um, I'm trying to figure out at what point in our Breath of the Wild season we have we have reached. So I want to take one time out real fast. I think that's the first time in your entire life you said that you wanted to do math of any kind at all. Well, so we're going to take a quick appreciation for that for our uh, high school math teacher, Miss Angela. Uh, thank you, Angela, for giving uh, him a modicum of appreciation for math. I mean, <laughs> I'll do. There's there's very little that I won't do for this podcast, Matt. If I've got to if I've got to buckle down and do some math here, then I will. I've already gotten math wrong once today, so <laughs> that's true. Um, let's see. This is episode seven. Yes. Out of 16, so we are just shy of the halfway point. We, I mean, the fact that we still have so much game left to go is mind-boggling because we've played a lot of game. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've already played probably as much game as we played with Ocarina of Time. Well, and the crazy... Like gameplay, uh, hour-wise. Uh, not, maybe not quite. No, I, no, like I got, think maybe Link's Awakening. Yeah. Maybe Link's Awakening. Or Skyward Sword. I don't know. No, and, Skyward Sword was longer. Uh, Link to the Past was definitely longer. We had way more dungeons in Link to the Past. Right, but than, like hours-wise, oh, how much game, right, how much time right, right, we right. Yeah, I don't know, I don't game. know. I don't know. And anyway, actually, we may end up having to um, add an extra episode because the, uh, so spoiler alert, we have a guest on this week. And the episode this guest originally wanted was in the uh, in the Gyudo region. Um, it was going to be the Yiga hideout plus Gyudo town episode. And so, so basically the way I had it split up is that the Yiga hideout was its own episode and then Gyudo Town and Vondaboris was the same episode after that. Which and, is kind of a lot. And then I realized that that wasn't going to work because you have to go to Gyudo Town Before to start you go to Yiga the Clan. Yiga hideout yeah. quest. So I, I may, we may need to divvy up Gyudo into, into one more episode. I don't know. Keep, stay tuned on that. Uh, regardless um, – the uh, the guest on this week's episode was more than happy to relocate his time to this section of the game, and we are so happy to have him here to talk about it. That guest is, of course, returning favorite, the wonder from Down Under, as I'm now calling him. Uh, <laughs> it would be Cody Davies of Zelda Universe. Cody, how you doing, my man? Oh, crikey, my own Cody from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I was just out catching some crocs. Uh, what if you eat? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you you all you you guys all wrestled giant reptiles in like own zoos in Australia. Spiders right? the size yeah. of Aragog from Harry the Potter from Harry Potter. That's yeah, that's, Harry uh, the that's Potter. normal, right? Um, Harry yeah, the what's, Potter. What's Harry the Potter? Harry the Potter. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> ah, yeah, isn't that isn't that that movie with uh, with Patrick Swayze where he's dead and they make pottery? Harry the Potter. I don't know. I've never seen that movie. Uh, that, the name of that movie is Ghost. It is not Harry the Potter. <laughs> I've never seen it. So, uh, Cody, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, uh, ye howdy, as they say down there in America. Uh, <laughs> ye howdy, do. it's close enough. It's been noted, and I am reiterating here. Um, that yes, that is a, that is a thing that is said. Yeah, look, I 
Um, I prepared a little for this for this podcast in that I googled cowboy phrases um, <laughs> so that I could have some cowboy phrases um, to fit in with you know my friends over in America. Um, and it suggested some things like don't squat with your spurs on. Um, that's a cowboy phrase. Um, I think that's a good one. Good. Yep. Uh, don't, wisdom. don't dig for water under the outhouse. Um, classic cowboy wisdom. Yep. I think no, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I say that. I say that every morning. First thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and apparently uh, when you're having a real good time as a cowboy, you call it a hog killing time. So I'm ready to have a hog killing time here <laughs> on the Sacred Realms podcast. Whose hog are we killing? Uh, hopefully all the ones that are route, rooting around out in uh, various farmers' lands so they don't keep doing that. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the high rule of Breath of the Wild is flush with hogs. There are kill. a lot of hogs in Breath of the Wild, that's for sure. Well, Cody, we are very happy to have you, and thank you for uh, immersing yourself in our culture. Uh, Texas is definitely full of them cowboys. Uh Luckily, most of us don't ride horses to school anymore yeah. uh, or work. And thank you for immersing yourself in like the charming, non-problematic elements of Texas culture. And also very true. Yeah. The, thank you for sticking to the stereotypes, which in this case <laughs> are more kind than some of the other aspects of and Texas not, culture. Not the ones in which our power grid doesn't stay on and we strip people of their rights year by year. So thank you for joining us and for immersing yourself in the fun parts of our culture. And we're very happy to have you back. Uh, always a wealth of knowledge, that is for sure. Yeah, definitely been looking forward to the Cody Davies episode of Breath of the Wild. And, uh, you know, who's to say this Who's to say this is the only one? We might do another one. That sounds like fun to me. We've got lots of Breath of the Wild left to yeah, go. Yeah, I was about to say, there's so much game to play. We're less than halfway through, so uh, lots to talk about. I know, Cody, um, you are a gamer... Of an age, pretty much with Matt and myself is what I've gathered in the past. Like I am old, yes. And, yeah. yeah, we're all old. <laughs> yes. Right? We're. It's like, oh, hey, we're getting up there now. Isn't that great? Um, yeah, one of these people who's like, I remember back in my day, we had a Nintendo Wii, and we liked it. <laughs> we like to we we like to waggle. We enjoyed a good waggle we back did. in the day. Yeah, and we thought the Nintendo sixty four controller was the standard for gaming. Just, no, everyone, what everyone always thought that was weird. Everyone, yeah, I, I, I mean, grew up with it. I never knew it was anything weird. We had three hands back then, so the Nintendo sixty four <laughs> controller made perfect sense. <laughs> no, but I mean, so like when we've talked about your t- your tastes in uh, Zelda previous to this episode i know you've kind of mentioned that you know you really kind of come into um you kind of came on the scene with zelda in the post ocarina of time era if i'm remembering correctly like you're a you're a ocarina of time majora's mask wind waker kind of yeah was was, was, yeah okay glad i was not getting that wrong um so for all those reasons, I'm assuming, and, and this is a big lead into me trying to get your your general thoughts and your general, um, you know, a tone check from you on where you're at with Breath of the Wild before we talk about this specific section of the game. Um, but I'm assuming that that means that you kind of esteem this game quite highly, as as I understand most people do who um, who their love of Zelda kind of comes from that that era. Yeah, look, this is my favorite Zelda game. Um, it's, uh, you know, which is uh, surpassing Majora's Mask 
which is at my number two, and Wind Waker at my number three. Um, mm. All right. The things about those Zelda games that you might notice in common is that they're some of the, the games where you're most easily able to just get lost in a side quest, wander off somewhere else, and have a good time. Um, you know, like that's that's the kind of game that I enjoy. I'm, I'm someone who... Uh, is is famous for putting like a thousand hours into Skyrim and not getting very far in the main quest. I've never met. There's apparently some old men up on a mountain, um, but I'm not going to see them. I'm busy being the you know the head of the thieves guild and the dark brotherhood and the mages guild and you know. Oh yeah, like I see, I'm familiar with that. Linden is not, but I am. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm just someone who Skyrim, loves, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I lo- I love to avoid the main quest. Like if someone's, if, if the the thing says, here's the main quest, I'm like, uh-oh. Go the I, other direction. What can I do? What can I do to avoid going to the main quest first? So Breath of the Wild is one that you can put, you know, hundreds of hours. The main quest is there the whole time, just sitting there telling you to defeat Ganon. And I'm like, I'll get to it. Eventually. But not now. So yeah, love this, <laughs> love this game. Love to just wander aimlessly through the wilds. So I would imagine based on that, sorry, Linda to cut you off, but I would imagine based on that, that you put Skyward Sword pretty low on your list of favorite Zelda games. Um, look, I have, I have put it a couple points higher in after the, in recent years, especially after the HD remake. Um, mm-hmm. And it's sitting at like seventh or something on my list. Out of, I think know, that's respectable. Yeah, 16 that, like that's so. a perfectly respectable place for Skyward Sword. Yeah, I think I think that's very respectable. Right, like I think it's a it's a great you know eight point eight out of ten, um, which is a very controversial score that you don't want to give Zelda games. Um, sorry, I don't know if anyone else understands that joke. Um, I don't but, actually. Please explain. I want I want to be in on the joke. So there was a. You know how gamers get really into review scores and get really upset? Um, Yes. So when Twilight Princess came out, uh, Jeff Gerstmann, currently of Giant Bomb, but at GameSpot at the time, gave it an 8.8 out of 10 and then gave the GameCube version an 8.9. And people were not happy um, because 8.8 is like a 8.8, you know, like... (laughs) <laughs> that, means, that means that you loathe the game. Like you just wish it was never born. Like that's wow. what 8.8 out of 10 means to gamers who get really upset about things. Um, so that's a, that's a little controversy inside the Zelda community that um, look, Skyward Sword, it's had diff- similar ones. I, it's just the kind of thing that happens. Um but that one always that one always stuck out to me because eight point eight is a very high score. I was about to say eight point eight <laughs> is a game is a score most games would kill to have. Like honestly, yeah. Um, but like I think Skyward Sword, getting back to Skyward Sword, is a game that I think is makes really good dungeons, which is good because it's only dungeons. Like the overworld mm-hmm. is a dungeon, the dungeons are dungeons. You know. It's never-ending dungeons, and I think that's that's an interesting way to do it. And if you're the kind of person who grew up on Twilight Princess, for example, um, 
you know, and if that's the game you played when you were eight, Skyward Sword is a dream come true for, you know, people like that. But for me, dungeons, I like dungeons, but it's not, I don't, I don't want oops, old dungeons as a, you know, as a video game so much in my Zelda series. So I put it, put it down at about seven. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think uh, I think I kind of exist uh, somewhat in the middle uh, of where you're at and where Matt is at. I think Matt comes to these games very much for the dungeons. Uh, you seem like you come to them very much for the the exploration, the meandering, the getting lost and immersed. And and I really just show up for about half and half. I mean, I'm you know I I enjoy both sides very much. And uh, when I when I get too little of one or the other, then I start enjoying enjoying the game less um which is yep. actually i guess breath of the wild is the exception that proves that rule for me because breath of the wild is very light on what we would <laughs> no consider dungeons, dungeons at all. and and much like you cody breath of the wild is my favorite uh, zelda game and uh and actually maybe even my favorite video game of all time uh but i, I love breath of the wild and uh we're currently doing a um we're currently doing a little thing where we're trying to get matt to come around on that as well he's slowly getting there hmm so my my hard line before recording this podcast podcast wow the par- podcast the podcast howdy podcast uh, exactly exa- howdy partner uh, no my hard line before recording this podcast was that I think Breath of the Wild is one of the greatest video games ever made I did not think it was a good Zelda game because it completely lacked any semblance of dungeons item mechanics and item durability was just in through in the face of what I thought to be what made a good Zelda game. Like to me, it was always master sword, Hylian shield, maybe some other things thrown in there, you know, a great fairy sword or a big Goron sword or a mirror shield. You have your bows, you have your bombs, you have your hook shots and you progress through in a Metroid like way from dungeon to dungeon, opening up new areas of the overworld using your new items. And breath of the wild was literally the opposite of that. So when I before this podcast came about and I'm not going to spoil any of our final episode, you know, discussion, but before this season of this podcast, I thought Breath of the Wild was one of the best video games ever made, but was one of the worst Zelda games that I had personally played. Um, Slight spoiler alert. I no longer hold that exact line of reasoning, and there will be much discussion to be had in the final episode of this season but that will be for that episode. That will be not for that episode. episode. We've got a lot more episodes to go between now and then. Um, Cody, how have you been doing? It's been a little while since we talked. Good, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, just being being busy with a few things. I have my re-election campaign coming up in a few months. I don't know if it's been brought up on this series that I'm uh, a member of a town uh, council. Excellent. And how many how many years have you been doing that? Um, so it's a four year term. Um, I've, I'm in a town that's got about twenty five thousand people, um, and yeah, it's just sort of a something that something that I've been getting involved with. And it's a four year term. We're about three and a half years into it. Um, so yeah, around October, September October, I'm going to be campaigning to uh, you know keep my keep my spot there um and we'll see how it goes well cody if we as texans were able to vote for you then we would absolutely vote for you you have my vote cody davies well we're we're voting for you in our hearts look the 
The procedures to become an Australian citizen are a bit long, but before four years from now, so in time for the next elections, you do have time to move to my town. <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll just hop over to the other side of the world. As an as an avid scuba diver, I, I actually could, wouldn't think that I would could, be the worst thing. Yeah, in the I world. could envision a situation in which I would like living a little closer to the Great Barrier Reef. But yeah, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Well, cool. We we certainly wish the best for you there. Um, in 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 slightly more frivolous uh, pursuits, um, things that don't actually matter as much to the lives of real people. Uh, your admin duties of Zelda Universe. How's all that been going? Good. We're, look, we're in a bit of a quiet phase right now as a staff because I think everyone's a little uh, deflated that Breath of the Wild 2 keeps getting delayed. Um, you know, so, we're, yeah, it's all, it's all trucking along, but I think people were getting hyped up for E3, um, which is cancelled, um, so that we can hear about Breath of the Wild 2, which is delayed. So, you know, that's how it goes, I guess. But, um, yeah, we're sort of in a in a downtime period in the Zelda community right now, just sort of yeah. waiting for... We don't even have a name for Breath of the Wild 2 yet, which we're hoping to get at E3. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how it's going at the moment. Do you think that... I, I mean, my money is still on Nintendo releasing a summer, a, a pretty major summer direct maybe maybe even like a late summer direct but um the the thing that really gets me is that in their in their delay video for breath of the wild 2 they specified spring of 23 as the release window and i feel like if they weren't somewhat confident in that they would have just said 23 you know um so we do i mean we've got to be we've got to start getting more concrete information at some point um oh yeah i mean they this is i don't think this is a metroid Prime Four situation. I don't think they've just cancelled it and Miyamoto's flipped over a table and said, "Go home," you know. But <laughs> sorry to all the Metroid fans out there who have to deal with uh, the situation in the Metroid franchise. Um, you know, Zelda's got it got it quite good. Like we we haven't the last major Zelda game, you know, mainline Zelda game was back in the day. It was in five years ago in 2017 when Breath of the Wild came out. Um, but we get little things here and there. Like I, I've been playing Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask again as it's been coming out on the uh, N64 online service on the Switch. We're thinking that we might get a... Um, the So the Wii U, most of what's on the Wii U has been ported to Switch by this point. One of the only things that hasn't is Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD. And those are just easy money makers that will sell like eight times more than they did on the Wii U because no one bought the Wii U. Um, so, you know, we're just waiting. Like, when are you going to, when are you going to port that over? Yeah, I, I say we probably see those, those games in the fall. Um, the real, the real baffling Nintendo route to do there would be to just release one of them <laughs> inexplicably. Yeah, well, look, that's a possibility because it's Nintendo. Um, also true. And you, they they make all sorts of decisions, some of them, only some of them comprehensible to the mortal mind. Um, but basically, the Wii U port to Switch thing is a really easy... Like, the game's already made and you'll sell a lot more than you did on Wii U. Um, 
the Wii U, well, port of Mario Kart is currently, I think, the best-selling game on the Switch. Um, you know, it's all, it, you know, I, I, I don't want to say it's that simple because uh, obviously there are things that you have to do with the port, but they're not things that Nintendo can't assign to some company like they did for Ocarina of Time 3D or, you know. Grezzo. Or, yeah, Grezzo, yeah. And, and say, can you sort this out? Um, so, yeah, regardless of whether there's any official rumors, I do think it's just something that's like, why is that not ported yet? Everything else on the, everything else except for Xenoblade X and uh, these two games have been ported from the Wii U to the Switch or had a sequel already. Yeah, I think it's so funny to your point about Mario Kart 8. That game is doing so well on the Switch. It's, it, you know, it's second platform to the point where now they're not even like developing act like they're not even pushing Mario Kart 9 anytime soon. They're just doubling the size of Mario Kart 8 via DLC over the next two years. Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's incredible. But like the game is just selling that well. Mm. So, yeah, no, I think I think they know what they're doing. And I think, uh, like you said, it's an it's an easy money get to release those games um, before Breath of the Wild 2. And people love those games. You know, Um, I think that uh, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess would both have a lot of really, uh, really positive um, buzz around them if they came out on the switch. And and yeah, Nintendo would make some easy money. So. Well, cool stuff. I'm glad things are going good on your end of things. I am uh, excited for you and the other um, the other contributors over at Zelda Universe for a day in which you have a little bit more on which to contribute. You know, mm-hmm. but um, but that day will come soon, and it'll be it'll be exciting. Um, you know, and then it'll be another seventy years before we get another Zelda yeah. game. But <laughs> but whatever. Such is such is the way that this goes. Well, uh, Matt, I think, are we ready to get into some housekeeping and then and then dive into this here episode? I am very ready to go ahead and talk about the piece of game that we played. Cool. I should probably go ahead and pull up the Patreon, right? Because we have that thing we do we now. We do where we let people we... know that we appreciate their support of our pod. Right, yes. And it's it's totally genuine. We appreciate it we very do much. We absolutely appreciate all of you very much. 1,000%. Oh, uh, a note to the patrons, actually. Just, uh, I finally got those most three recent uh cards in the mail today they showed up in the mail today the the last three link to the past ones are here they exist i'm sorry that the the delay was or that the production of those was so delayed um such as the way that things kind of are in the world right now but we have them they are real breath of the wild cards are coming soon so we'll be shipping them out to you as quickly as we can yes i i appreciate your patience to uh to frankly an, an incredible degree because you're all being very patient and nobody is yelling at us yeah nobody's giving us too much crap about this which you would be uh, totally totally valid in doing also hopefully by the time this one airs at least some of you who are closest to us by geographic proximity will have them uh in your hands yep so. no doubt no doubt all right if you didn't know sacred realms is a weekly we re-examine blah, 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 blah. Let's sacred, try that again sacred realms is a weekly <laughs> sacred <examination>. whelms. <laughs> <laughs> is a wascally wabbit. Uh, Sacred Realms is a weekly re-examination of The Legend of Zelda, one little slice at a time. Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks. Every week we play a new section of a Zelda game. Then we sit down here to talk and to drop our hot takes. 
If that sounds fun to you, please head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, be sure to leave us a review. Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated, and they have a chance to get a shout-out here on the show. If you want more Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod. There, you can get access to listener mail, vote on what game we play next, and much more. In addition, Master Sword patrons and above get their names read weekly on the show. Those legendary individuals are... Leviticus, Melanie, Kolku, Rowan, Joshua, Nick, Hyrule Podcasters, Keep It Going Pod, Dante, Jep, Mary, Brittany, Davey, Haru the Mighty, Derek, Albert, Mark, Andy, Cameron, Tyler, Ben, Daniel, Nick D underscore TV, Travis, Christian, Jonathan, Max Nichols, Garrett, and Drew. We could not make the show without your generous support. We appreciate it very much. We have the best fans in the world, and we wouldn't want it any other way. Matt, do we have a five-star review that we can let off the chain? Uh, I can go look for one. I don't have one pulled up currently, but I am more than happy to try to find one. You see, a good podcaster would have uh, teed you up for that in some You're advanced right. way. So I feel like that's probably your fault. I uh, I will accept the responsibility. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I have a, a moderate amount of shame, but probably not quite enough to where I remember to do it the next time. Like, sure. I feel bad, but it's not going to change anything. No, I feel like that's fair. Yeah. All right, let me see. And in concordance with our housekeeping, we do have a five-star review to share with y'all today uh, from user Become Wind on Apple Podcasts, which is the only place that we currently have where we can actually get five-star reviews that are written out uh, with commentary. If there is another place we can find those, please let us know so we can go search them out. Uh... Become Wind says, favorite Zelda podcast. As someone who, as someone else who grew up playing Zelda with my brother and then found their way into game dev through non-traditional means, this podcast really resonates with me on so many levels. Of course, relating to Lyndon's work at Bungie Studios, uh, working on game development in the artistic department. And we are, of course, brothers, as you should probably know by now if you've listened to any episode besides this one before. Uh, so thank you, Become Wind. We're glad that you uh, enjoy that journey and that you and your brother rather have a relationship that involves Zelda because Zelda makes every relationship better and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Of course, uh, the name Become Wind, I can only assume, probably wrongly, but I'm choosing to believe, is a uh, reference to a quote from one uh, from one uh, Guru Lahima quoted by Zahir, which says, <laughs> let go your earthly tether, enter the void, empty, and become wind. Uh, that would be the Legend of Korra. That'd be the Legend of Korra season three. Zaheer, one of the great villains. Oh man, really fantastic show. Also, ah yeah, holy good. cow, that show is so good. Really good deep cut quote there. Anyhow. Very deep cut quote. Wow, I was, I'm impressed you remember that. Did you Google it? Well, yeah, but I, oh, like, I mean, I yeah, no, like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad no, that you like got there. No, I, I remember half of it. Like, I really feel like I was doing pretty good to have even remembered as much as I did. And I, I, that's fair. And to be able to like find it in a 20 second Google, <laughs> you know, like, come on, give me some. No, credit. no, no. I, I look, I give you the credit, credit where it's due, man. Well, without further ado, let's talk about what we played. We do that, of course, every week in the Sacred Realms Rundown, which is a six part analysis of what we played this week and the feelings that it made us feel. Today, we're covering Breath of the Wild Chapter 7. Which entails mostly our journey through the Hebrew region, ending in the Lost Woods at the pedestal of the Master Sword. Part one is the plot recap as read by Matt. Take it away, Matt. Ooh, hold on. I should probably have this pulled up. Which is, is uh, Wait, is it done? There, there's at least the intro is done. Okay, I want to at least have the intro wait, in front of me. It? Okay. 
Oh no, Cody! I like never do this before we record. This is a very common thing. If we're gonna if it, if this doesn't go well, so I'm gonna I have the intro written. We're gonna wing the rest of it. If it doesn't go well, we're gonna oh come back and record. Oh my gosh! It. All right, so just <laughs> okay, just so everyone understands the stakes. If this actually is like. So what what do you think? You think you've got like a third of it done? A yeah, fourth? probably uh, okay. a third ish. Okay, so with a third of the plot recap being done, Matt is going to then try and ad lib the remainder. <laughs> nice. And Gatsby, Gatsby's yeah, now hold saying, on. Gatsby's got some things to say about that. <laughs> He's Mike, very excitable. Pup. Mike the detective just walked out on the uh, backyard. Mike the detective, welcome, sir. I swear we're professionals. We're not. No, we're not. He's lying. Okay, so just so everyone understands the stakes, what I'm understanding is that Matt has got about one-fourth of a plot recap. He's going to read that, and then he's going to attempt to ad-lib the entire rest of the plot recap. If it is a giant pile of flaming garbage, then we're going to edit this out, and you will never hear any of it. But if it's even 50% good, then I'm going to leave this whole thing in, and we'll let uh, we'll let the listeners be the judge of whether or not Matt should ever be allowed to you know, just kind of like do this off the top of his noggin ever again. I think it's a fun challenge every once in a while. Definitely not going to be a recurring thing. Does it get the blood pumping? It does. I'm a little, I got my adrenaline up a little bit. All right, Matt. It's go time. As we leave the chambers of the Rito Elder, we survey the vast expanse of snowy lands to the north, knowing that it most likely contains many mysteries and shrines for us to discover. From Rito Village, we head north to the Hebra Stables and the nearby Hebra Tower, where we learn about interesting denizens of the regions like stall horses. From there, we explore the snowy tundra to our heart's content, and we find many shrines and some beefy enemies and things to hold our attention. From the top of the Hebrew Tower, once we have explored to our heart's content, we see off to the east a great forest that captures our attention. Remembering the stories that we've heard along our travels of a sacred power that lies within uh, the forest to the north, we head that direction. As we fly over the great chasm that lies between Hebra and the woodland region, we see a great fire dragon that is flying beneath us, and we remember that there is another dragon far to the south in Farron region that also draws our attention. Ignoring it for now, we keep heading east towards the woods. From there, we find another tower and activate it. The woodland tower is surrounded by enemies in an ancient military camp that was once used for training, but is currently overrun by moblins and other enemies. We clear the area and open up a vast expanse of map for us to explore. Heading into the woods, we come to a, an area shrouded by fog. The Lost Woods, as it is called. As we attempt to navigate this area, we continually find ourselves lost in the fog and reset to our starting position. With no clear way to understand what's going on, we continue as best as we can. We follow the torches at first, from one to the next, until we find clear patches that lead us through the fog. Eventually, we come to a spot where there is no more guideposts, and all we can do is wander through the fog until we find our way through. Eventually, we come to a clearing that is pristine and peaceful and filled with the little Korok things that we have seen throughout the land of Hyrule. They greet us happily, some hide, some flee, but overall the air is one of peace and serenity. 
In the clearing in front of us, there stands a sword within a pedestal, a sword that clearly calls to us, a sword that seems familiar, but where we cannot place it. Approaching it, the giant tree standing behind the sword speaks to us and says many things of great interest. Primarily, it talks about how it has been waiting for us for over a hundred years and that its patience, while long, has its limits and it almost doubted that we would even show up at all. It declares that it is the great Deku tree and that it has watched over this forest and the land of Hyrule for centuries. It tells us a brief story about how the Princess Zelda brought this sword to the clearing at a hundred years ago after we fell in battle. It tells us that Zelda heard the voice within the sword that told her to bring it here, where she knew that it would lie safe within the great Deku Tree's care. The Deku Tree warns us that this sword and attempting to wield it itself is a challenge to those who would attempt it, and that the weak of heart could not do so. Taking this challenge to heart, we reach for the hilt of the sword and grasp it within our hands, and we begin to try to pull it out of its pedestal. As we do so, it drains our life force, and we can feel the sword resisting. It will not be held by those who are unworthy. But we know through our trials that we have done within the shrines, through all the divine beasts that we have conquered so far and the journeys that we have had, that we will wield the sword that seals the darkness. We've done it before and we can do it again. So without giving up, we continue to pull and pull until finally the sword is released from the pedestal. In triumph, we raise it to the sky and then put it in the scabbard on our back. This has been the plot recap as read by Matt. What the hell? Dude, I just ad-libbed the hell out of that. I need you to be very honest with me. Yeah. Where did your written recap end? It ended at, uh, from the top of Hebrew Tower, we no. see to the east a Shut great up. forest. Shut up. I'm going to turn my computer and you can see it. You're lying. No, Mike, am I lying? Like, literally, it's right there. He ain't lying. I'm not lying. It's, it's literally right there. Yeah. I am impressed. You have you have impressed me. Thank sir. you. I appreciate that. No, that was really good. I, I was a little proud of that one. I mean, what do you think, Cody? Do you think that's a do you think that's a winner? You think we can leave that yeah, one? Yeah, no, no, no. I think that was a good recap. Um, I I assumed that it was improved at about the point where he said uh, that the Great Deku Tree said many things of great import. Um, <laughs> <laughs> No, that's fair. I was trying to remember as much of that conversation as I could, but I was like, if I try to get too in the weeds, I'm just going to get like stumble all over my words. So I chose to keep it high level. That's better than I expected. I was expecting like at some point we would hit a hard drop off where it became we visited many places. We saw many things. After many minutes, we came to a place. (laughs) Oh, man. This has been the plot recap. Admirably ad-libbed by Matt. Um Damn. Wow. That was great. Uh, Let's get into part two, which is our takes in which we talk about 
how uh, this section of the game made us feel, what our thoughts were on it. And so I guess before we get into that, Cody, can you just give me a give me a real quick rundown on how recently you have played any of this content? Probably about a year ago. Um, I'm not someone who constantly replays, so I'm I've pl- I've re- I've run this game maybe three times. One of the one of which in master. My latest run has been in master mode with the pro HUD, um, which has been quite a fun experience. Um, but mine, yeah, mine as well. Mine as well. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I've put, I don't know, 350 hours or something into the game, but um, I'm n- not recent enough that I can tell you shrine by shrine what which which one had which puzzles or that kind of thing. But I do, I'm am familiar with the Hebrew Mountains. I mean, I've played, I've played uh, again, uh, similar to you, about 350 to 400 hours of this game and uh, have much of it committed to memory. And I couldn't tell you off the cuff which shrines are which. Like, I can't look at the map and be like, oh, that's the, uh, that's the Hasha Balasha shrine. And it's got the <laughs> Hasha Balasha. Really? That's yeah. the best you can do? Yeah. That's my favorite monk. <laughs> monk. Monk Hasha Balasha's blessing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, no, I couldn't do that either. Well, that's good. Just making sure there's n- the the expectations are reasonable. I know that I'm run a Zelda website, but I do not have Breath of the Wild committed to memory. No, nor should you. Yeah, no, that's a that's a lot of responsibility for anyone to bear on their shoulders. So I guess knowing that, uh, yeah, it's been just a little while since you played this section of the game, but you have an admirable memory for the game. Uh, where are you kind of at with this whole area? Obviously, we're covering a lot of geographic ground. Um, we're, we're, we're starting in Rito Village and ending in the Lost Woods, and that's a huge chunk of the map. Yeah, um, this, I think, is a fun little area um i i am able to traverse it quite easily with my snowshoes that i took from an incel in gerudo village um but you yeah, may screw not that have guy. Those. um i you haven't been there yet have you no and actually that was one of the things i was going to talk about was missing the snowshoes Ugh. so yeah but i'm yeah i'm all set up i've got my got all my upgraded snow gear and my snow boots um, so, you know, this is an area I'm, I'm happy to wander around. Snow is not something that appears in Australia for the most part. Um, so I've never been, um, really, uh, had, had much chance to do snow activities. Um, we have had, you know, Australia participates in the winter Olympics, but, uh, it does not usually do very well. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's fun to have a, a bunch of snow, um, little mini games and, you know, all of that kind of thing um, for shield surfing and snowball bowling and all of this, you know. Um, but, yeah, it is a, it is a pretty uh, sparse, I guess, area of the map in a good way like it is a sort of like you know the snowy mountains sort of area um but yeah i think it's quite fun really i do think it's so 
obviously there's less um, – from a scenery standpoint, I think there's less that's distinctive about this area than other areas of the map. Um, you know, Breath of the Wild is known for its like lush greens and blues and that those big nature feels. And if you're going to do a huge snowy mountain area, it's kind of hard to capture a lot of that same vibe. I think one of the ways that it kind of – it does feel distinctive is that it, it frequently messes with uh, visibility. You know, as you're kind of traversing through this area, blizzards come up pretty frequently. And there were several times where I was actually gliding from one point to another where um, I was so high up that I couldn't actually see anything except for myself in the air and had no idea where I was going to land because I didn't uh, I, had, I hadn't unlocked the uh, the map of the region at that point. So that can be kind of a, a very interesting environmental challenge. Um, in this mountain range. I think it's fun because even though it is a little sparse and it is definitely a, a wilderness and there's just not a lot going on here, there are a lot of recreational activities to be enjoyed in the Hebrew region, like you were saying, Cody. I mean, shield surfing obviously is like kind of a whole mini game in and of itself, but then you get a lot of the cool shrine quests which involve um, snow boulder bowling and stuff, and those are all a, those are all a pretty good time. Um, I think, weirdly enough, for me... Hebrew region has always been one where I I can remember the landmarks less than any other area of the game. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't have it committed to memory the same well, way. And as I all do the others. mountains look the same. Like right. in most other areas, like even like Farron, I think is the most comparable to just like a vast region that has very similar terrain across most of it. Right? It's it's rainy, it's swampy, it's it's trees, it's waterfalls. But like even in Farron Woods. There's some easily distinguishable like, oh, these are the three waterfalls that Farron the dragon comes out of, Farosh the dragon comes out of, and I know that that's this way and that's this way. But like in Hebra, it's like all these mountain ranges look the same. I don't know what's going on. Where am I? But that being said, for some weird reason, I have the shrines that are in this region and their locations committed to memory more so than anywhere else in the game. So I have a couple committed to memory very well. One one of them is the... um. The snow boulder one that you have to use um, cryonis to get it over the little pond. Right. I have that one. And I have the one that's underneath the ice shelf. I have have that one. Mm -hmm. So and the reason I have the the one with the cryonis on the pond is because that's where the Leviathan skeleton is. And I love those. Those are so cool. Yeah. Um, And the other one under the ice shelf is just because that's a very unique and really cool uh, terrain location. That's I think is really awesome. And I love just kind of piling around under there because i'm like oh cool look at this ice shelf above me it's neat yeah um yeah other than that i like i i have a shrine map like to be very clear to everybody that is listening to this i am following i have a map of all the shrines and i do my best to find them in the region that i'm in but then once i'm like feel like i've tapped out my knowledge i open up the shrine map and say here's where i'd have not here's the shrines i have not found and i go and like find those like i if you consider that cheating is what it is i have to do it uh, whatever yeah um uh, cody will you give us a rundown on the snowshoe situation real quick because i don't think i, I think a lot of people tend to play this section of the game before the gerudo region and so i for instance have never gotten the snowshoes like i've never used them um i always do these in an order which kind of prohibits me from getting those first so if you could give our listeners a rundown on if they've been to the gerudo region before the hebrew region uh, what to do there. Right. So the Gerudo region, I guess some, some spoilers for the premise of the Gerudo region. Um, 
the Gerudo town there um, only accepts women. Um, the Gerudo, um, of course, are um, all women um, except for, according to Ocarina of Time, every hundred years a king is born, but I don't know. Don't, I'm unclear on the timeline implications of this because um, we've never seen one apart from Ganondorf. Um, so I don't know whether Ganondorf is born each time or yeah, that's a that's a whole lore discussion that's um, separate but I think can be quite interesting. Um, but, yes, so you need to be a woman. So Link has to dress up um, as a woman in order to get in. And what this means is that you find someone outside the Gerudo town who is like a, uh, I called him an incel earlier. Basically he's someone who, he doesn't want to talk to you really if you're, you know, um, if you're in a regular outfit. But if he thinks you're a woman, he's like, please take my take my clothes, take my shoes, um, you know, please pay attention to me. Um and so you can go through a, a range of quests to rob him of all of his valuables, um, including sand shoes to help you on the sand and snowshoes to help you in the snow. Um, and so it's quite worth um, going down there and getting your snowshoes because if you're going to do any on-foot tracking um, through the snowy regions, then it's going to be a major benefit because, um, you know, you might have your horse or your motorcycle or whatever for, you know, for general traveling, but these mountainous regions are famous for, of course, having mountains, which means um, horses can't go up them. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of climbing and adventuring, and it's going to be a lot easier to have your snowshoes that just cancel out the, um, the, the lower speed at which you run uh, while on snow. Yeah. So there you go. If you are playing this game in an order which is not the one that Matt and I are currently playing through it in, then, uh, yeah, you've got a pair of snowshoes waiting for you in the Gerudo region, which will make traveling and traversing the Hebrew region much more manageable. So good tip there. Matt, before we get too far, let's go ahead and read our worksheets. Let's do some homework. How do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I uh, I don't like homework, but uh, this homework I can stomach. I'm, I'm happy that you have agreed to do homework at my behest in the, uh, in the course of creating this show. Don't get used to it. Appreciate you. Okay, so the starting and ending point, as I've said, starting point is Rito Village. Ending point is the point at which we retrieve the Master Sword from its pedestal in the Kokiri Forest. The route that I took was north from Rito Village through the Hebra Mountain Range to the Hebra Tower and Stable. I went northeast from the Hebra Stable over Tanagar Canyon, the little connection of land. Um, and there's actually the uh, Lost Temple is under there. I, I did that one. Oh, you did that one? Oh, yeah. Okay. I usually do that one last and then get the... I like that one because it's the fastest point to fast travel to to get uh, goddess uh, statues. Oh, yeah. And you literally just walk 10 feet. And you're Good. at the biggest goddess statue in the game. Good point. Uh, yeah, I went over the Tanagar Canyon connection and then came to the Serene Stable. From the Serene Stable, I went to the Hyrule Castle dungeon uh, in which I beat the Stalnox and got myself a Hylian shield. Then I went back out to Hyrule Field and east to the Woodland Tower, uh, north from the Woodland Tower into the Lost Woods, and then through the Lost Woods to the Great Deku Tree. My shrine count was 55 at the end of this section of the game, and the towers that I activated were Hebra and Woodland Towers. Matt, 
Yes. Re- read us a worksheet. All right. Um, <clears throat> most same. My route taken was um, also north to Hebra Stables, Hebra Tower. I didn't track my route through Hebra because it was very meandering and kind of all over the place. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Hebra before I then went uh, east to hit the uh, lost t- or the hidden temple, uh, did that one. And then I went uh, further east to the woodland tower. Uh, had a lot of fun killing all of those enemies, which I always do. I love killing enemies, mostly because I'm playing on normal mode and I'm not just like wasting tons of arrows and weapons and stuff. Um, so did that. Uh, then I went into the lost woods, meandered around through there, and got to the master sword as well. So route taken was pretty similar. Um, shrine count sixty three. So I win this week. Haha. <laughs> victory. How's it feel? It feels very good. Thank you. Uh victory is mine. Isn't that for Invader the moment. Zim? Isn't for that the in, moment, man? Isn't that Invader Zim? Isn't wasn't that his victory is mine? I feel I like a lot of people have said that. That's fair. Anyway, uh Korok seeds, and this one's fun for me. 69. Nice. 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 <laughs> uh yeah, towers activated. Hebrew Tower, Woodland Tower. Uh and then yeah, uh, favorite shrine and other notes are for later, but uh that was uh, the brief rundown. Good stuff. Cool. Matt, do you have anything that you really want to chip in with about the Hebrew region specifically? Because because here's the thing. Um we have got a lot of side stuff to do here, and I think we're going to maybe spend a bit more time on that Yeah, I, when we I, get to I Bloopy was, Trails. But yeah, like, I was kind of debating where to put that, whether it's in Bloopy Trails or, or Hot Takes. But like, I think the Hebrew region, while it seems desolate, actually has kind of a lot to do as far as like other things that hold your attention, right? Like there's a decent amount of shrines here. Um, if you don't have the snow boots, traversing it without a horse is a huge pain. I'm not going to lie. It's this not fun it's very slow um but if you either can grab a stall horse or ride your own horse around or you just do what i did which is warp back to the hebra uh tower and then glide your way over to wherever it is that you're kind of wanting to go and try to hop something from there or, or shield uh surf your way around um was mostly what i did uh shield surfing is a lot of fun um and the the bowling mini game, which is actually like right below the Hebrew Tower, I spent a lot of time doing that. Even after I beat it, I was like, oh, "This is just really fun." Mm-hmm. So I, I like the Hebrew region a lot. I think there's uh, very hard enemies, which is interesting. A lot of black Lazalfos, black Moblins, um, uh, Bokoblins on horses. Well, and of course, this is one of the best areas of the game in which to go Lionel grinding. If you're into that, yeah. Um, if you proceed. Uh, northwest. I want to say. I think it's northwest. Anyway, um, if you if you make your way through the Tabantha snowfield from the Hebrew stable and go to that shrine that's back there, there is a sword bearing Lionel that is guarding that shrine. And then if you go from there, it's not even very far. If you go from there off um, north towards the labyrinth, then there's another Lionel, and that one has got a spear. So there's two Lionels that are pretty close to each other. And if you're comfortable kind of grinding those dudes for good gear, then there's there's two that are um, in very close proximity. Makes it very easy to do. I'm terrible at fighting the spear Lionels. Dude, the spear ones are a lot harder. Like I am awful at at like knowing when to shield parry their attacks and all that. I've got I've got the 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 club and sword ones down pretty well, but. Uh, but yeah, not the not the spear guys. But anyway, yeah. So so a, a good little bit of hard enemy grinding can be done in there. Um, oh, Cody, you've got to. I, I just saw your link in the chat. You have to share this to. Uh, you you got to share this to our Twitter. 
Um, and we will, we'll, we'll get that back out into the public. This is just the essence of a, of a good Lionel fight, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, I love Lionel fighting. I actually only fought the sword fighting Lionel. I didn't go all the way up to the labyrinth. We have a whole episode dedicated to the three, three, there are three labyrinths, right? Yeah, three labyrinths. So I we have a whole episode dedicated to the three labyrinths of the game. Um, so I chose not to go. Neither over did I. That. I chose not to go over there because I would not be able to stop. Me. I love the labyrinths. They're honestly some of my favorite parts. They're some of my favorite. What I would classify as a bloopy trail, right? If we didn't have a whole episode dedicated to them, every time there was a labyrinth in yep. the vicinity, I would use it for that because I love them. Yep, I like so, them too. So let's move on uh, out of the Hebra region until we get back to bloopy trails to talk about some of the side quests. Yeah, stuff. sure. Um, let's talk about the Lost Woods, and this is this is where I think we're going to have some really fun stuff to get into because uh, we. We've got a lot more lore implications that happen here. We've got several excellent cutscenes. We meet the Grit Deku Tree, who is a recurring character from past Zelda games. And the question that I have for you, Cody, is this has got to be the Deku sapling from Ocarina of Time, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, depending on your thoughts on the timeline, um, there have been a range of trees... Um, the Wind Waker had a Deku tree and Korok, so that's the most direct, um, direct lineage there. Um, if you, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into the timeline so that we don't put an extra hour into this podcast, but, um, (laughs) you know, um, the introduction of Koroks as a, because Koroks are, for those who are unfamiliar with the lore of the Wind Waker, Koroks are the same thing as Kakiri um, from Ocarina of Time. They are the spirits that are protected by the great Deku Tree. Um, in Skyward Sword, you also had to find Koroks, but you only had to find, like, five of them, which is a... A few less than they have in Breath of the Wild. Um, Those were kikwis, the 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 things that look like uh, right. uh, shrubs, shrubs. Yeah, the yeah. shrubs. Yeah, yeah. kikwis. So, so but, you know, they're, they're all yeah, they're all kind of descended the same lineage. They're right? all like, kikwis yeah, but, become kokiri, become koroks, right? Yeah, right. So so that's the you know that's the point here is that the form of the kikiri is just you know. It's up to them at the time. Like, they're not actually, you know, they're spirits, basically. Um, And Mm -hmm. usually they take on plant-like appearances like the Deku Tree. But in the case of Ocarina of Time, they're in a a phase, I guess, like, you know, maybe they have, like, a goth phase or something where they're like, we can be... It's not a phase, (laughs) Mom! (laughs) You know? We're going to be humans. Um, This is our human phase. Um... So, anyway, I forgot what you were asking me. So, the the Deku tree uh, being the same one as the Deku sapling from uh, yes. Ocarina of Time. So probably I'm. The assumption is that if that the Deku tree can basically last forever if um, nobody shows up and um, curses it um, with a horrible with a, curse with a spider. Yeah, um, so, like, as far as we know, the Deku Tree is the Deku Tree. Um, the one in 
Ocarina of Time, the one in Wind Waker, the one in Breath of the Wild. Cool. That was that was kind of what I was assuming as well. And I mm-hmm. always think that it's fun to kind of connect those dots because the Zelda series gives us so few opportunities in which to chart the trajectory of one character consistently through the entire thing. And um, this is one of those instances in which you can do that. You can't even actually really do that with Ganon um, because he, he takes on different forms. And at least in Breath of the Wild, he's kind of like the re-manifested version of – Like Demise's curse. Yeah, yeah, so it's not even the same – Ganon it's not a physical being from, yeah. yeah um so yeah so I, I think that's really fun and it's interesting to be introduced to a character with that amount of lineage um but from a lore standpoint we get all these cool cutscenes that matt was just talking about and i don't know matt i mean i think it's really fun to get some shading around the events that led to um you know zelda depositing the master sword in its pedestal and then going off we know she leaves from the lost woods to go to hyrule castle and yep. try and seal ganon right right yeah. So like I, and, and I do want to, if we can, take five minutes to diverge because Lyndon and I have discussed with a couple other guests like where in the timeline or timelines, plural, uh, does Breath of the Wild fall? And like I think our opinion lies heavily in the uh, child timeline just based on, you know, Zelda's dialogue on at the knighting ceremony regarding, uh, you know, the hero aloft in the skies adrift in time or uh, in the embers of twilight. So like, you know, I think that's generally where we place Breath of the Wild. Do, do you agree or disagree with that, Cody? Or uh, no opinion? Um, I mean... It sort of has some hints of every timeline is the problem, especially when you get right. the DLC and they're like, oh, here's Majora's Mask, you know? Here's yeah. here's this thing from Twilight Princess. Here's this thing named after something that only appeared in The Wind Waker, which is in a third timeline altogether, um, mm-hmm. you know? And then, of course, Wind Waker is where Koroks appear. Um so, yeah, the, I mean, my thoughts on the timeline are that um, they do what they want and then they make up an excuse for it later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. So as to what the excuse will be, I'm not sure. My, like my initial thoughts were a combined timeline. Um, okay. Uh, so kind of trying to bring it back together, right? Like, or something that inevitably happens in all timelines kind of situation. Like right. a, a merge back together of the timeline because fundamentally there's some sort of like ticking time bomb or that kind of thing that's been there since Skyward Sword that says, well, if, you know, if the spirit of evil continues to be allowed to, you know, do the thing inevitably and it might take a hundred thousand years or something, um, we'll reach the post-apocalypse where a giant ghost of Ganon is sitting there. Um, so right. that's, that's one theory, which doesn't really, doesn't really make it easy for, um, for timeline split stuff, but, it would be the best explanation for the fact that references to everything show up, just places named after characters from certain games and that sort of thing just shows up throughout the map. 
Um, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, um, you know, it could also be part of a specific timeline and then, you know, it's just hap- We just have to take some of it as non-canon. Like we yeah. just have to say oh, the Twilight great. Princess stuff and the Majora's Mask stuff that's in the DLC, the ancient masks and all this that have been, you know, uh, in the land. No, I get it. Yeah. That's non-canon fair. DLC. So. Yeah. So uh, to, back to Lyndon's original question, which is, you know, some of the cool cutscenes and stuff I, like the cutscenes that are within Breath of the Wild are some of the best story building that I see in Zelda games outside of Skyward Sword, in my opinion. Um, and and honestly, we actually learned if you follow any of our social media, specifically Twitter, there's a huge thread where we've been talking with Melora and our friend Max about how um, in the Japanese version, there's even more story building that leads into directly into these cutscenes, which is that uh, all of the journal entries in the Japanese version of the game are from Link's first person perspective um and so tying if we were to tie link's first person perspective of the journal entries into the cutscenes that we have specifically in this section of the game we get a really good conglomeration of amazing world building that really showcases not only what has had transpired 100 years ago but how link is processing that in the current time and how that is affecting him and what he thinks about it and i think that all of that comes together to really create a, a great character building arc for Link and for Zelda within this section of the game. Because not only do we call back to what we learned in the previous canon Zelda game to this, which is Skyward Sword, that the spirit of the sword, as in Fee, uh, speaks to not only Link, but can apparently reach out to Zelda as the reincarnation of the goddess. And so being Fee's original creator, Zelda can hear this the voice of the sword. And Zelda has a connection to the Master Sword that transcends or is at least a part of the same connection that Link has to the Master sword and to fee and how we see all of that kind of link together um, where zelda becomes the keeper of the sword while link is taken to the shrine of restoration and she takes it to uh it's it's resting place in guardianship of the great deku tree which in ocarina of time that's close ish to where it was not exactly uh, i think in wind waker the the master sword is in the same general vicinity nope. in Okay, I don't know. I've never played Wind Waker, but uh, anyway, the the, the wrong. Da- dang it! I'm was, gonna put a buzzer noise in here. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping to really make a cool connection there. You failed. I know I did. That's fine. Anyway, um, but just this, regardless of the Deku Tree's involvement, I think the Deku Tree's involvement is really cool. But the the connection between Link and Zelda and the Master Sword and Fee specifically as the spirit of the Master Sword, the voice within the sword, as Zelda calls it all ties together to really make this chain that has gone back to, you know, as as Cody said, could be 100,000 years, could be more, no one really knows at yeah. this point, uh, works really, really well and is a callback to previous Zelda games that it, that is more poignant and purposeful than any game outside of direct sequels. Well, and it's really fun because in these cutscenes we see so so many so many of the memories in this game that we unlock that show us versions of Zelda are in a much more like uncertain phase of her life. You know, she's uh, she's very she doesn't have a lot of confidence. She's really trying to come to terms with her destiny and what is required there. And in this cutscene, we're kind of seeing her past all that. We're seeing Zelda in the middle of a very um, take charge 
portion yeah. of Zelda's of her making story decisions. Arc. Yes, yeah, like everyone, everyone else is gone. Champions are gone. Link is gone. Her father's gone. It is up to Zelda to um, to to make some stuff happen, and that's kind of where we see her in these cutscenes. So I think that's a lot of fun. And also, she makes the right decisions, right? Like yeah. she makes good decisions. She she sends Link immediately to the Shrine of Restoration. Then she takes the Master Sword before going to Ganon, not entrusting this to anybody else. She takes it to the Sacred Grove in the care of the Great Deku Tree, where she knows like no force of calamity will be able to reach it. Like it is under the guardianship of one of the most powerful and ancient spirits in all of Hyrule. And like, boom, good decision. So, yeah, Zelda's making Zelda's on top. Of yeah. It. And then even aside from that. The Kokiri Forest, I think, just makes a really awesome cinematic backdrop for all these cutscenes. You know, we talk about how beautiful a lot of environments are in this game, and Kokiri Forest is just freaking gorgeous. I mean, it looks yeah. awesome. It's so gorgeous that it freaks <laughs> the uh, Nintendo Switch out to the point where it needs to drop. It, it its, lags a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it needs to drop its frame rate down to about ten or fifteen uh, per second. <laughs> Yeah, so, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that the I think Kokiri Forest is a gorgeous um, area. I think the Great Deku Tree's like cherry blossom uh, thing it has going on is is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the journey to get there through the Lost Woods is also pretty cool. I like this incarnation of the Lost Woods because I feel like a lot of times in a lot of other games, the Lost Woods have kind of like a very like obviously there's a set trajectory through this version as well, mm-hmm. but it feels not like a, a a series of like woodland corridors. It's not a left, right, left, left, right, center. Right. Yeah. 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 It, it feels very much like it's completely open. Like it's a it's a entirely open plot of land. And sure, you get like warped back to the beginning if you set a foot wrong. But it does not feel like um, it does not feel artificial in, mm-hmm. in ways that it has in the past. So I think that that's that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it made for a great game poster. What? With the Master Sword and its decayed state. Oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. Made for a great yeah, game. No, that, the original, like, trailer shot of yeah, the decayed Master perfect. Sword. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually really interesting, I think, Cody, because I know, obviously, y'all over at Zelda Universe have been combing through every clue that we really have about Breath of the Wild 2. And uh, one of the things that came in the most recent video was an even more screwed up version of the master sword than the one that is in this cutscene, right mm-hmm. a master sword that was basically cut in half yeah yeah so i don't i don't know what you've made of that exactly but yeah look breath of the wild 2 is um looking quite interesting in a lot of ways um i if we get the chance after after fake e3 um which is what we're deciding to call the e3 period in which Nintendo will inevitably release a direct, but E3 doesn't actually exist. Um, we're not sure what to, we're thinking. We're thinking of calling it Keely Week, or um, we're not sure. But Keely Week, I like that um, because the yeah the award shows are the Keelys, but then um, he has his own um, Keely Week. Um, but you know, when we get some more Breath of the Wild two trailer stuff, I'd love to be able to. Uh, have a chat with you either on this podcast as a bonus or you can come on our podcast maybe. Oh, we would love to come on y'all's podcast. We'll come on your podcast, Cody. Absolutely. Well, that will be good. Yeah. Um, the Lost Woods, I just wanted to say, did you figure out the proper way to do this the first time? I sort of hard-moded it a little. 
by accident. I figured out. So I had I had it down to the point where you have to follow the torches, and after that, um, I missed the whole magnesis in the in the trees thing, and I just sort of had to mosey towards like I like I had the map unlocked so I could see where the great. Uh, Deku tree was right and I was just like okay I mosey that general yeah I see that I need to kind of just shuffle in this general direction and try not to let the fog get me yeah I and and I still actually do that generally speaking I just kind of walk really slowly in the general direction that I know I need to go and if the fog ever gets too thick I like immediately backtrack and let it settle down and then take a slightly different route around that um, so I do kind of hard mode it. I, I'm sure that there is an actual puzzle solvey way and a signposting indicator that takes you to where you need to go without having to do that. I just don't yeah. know what it is. So do you actually carry a torch with you? Uh, I did. Yes, this time I did not. Yeah, because that's the easy. The easiest way is to have a torch that's constantly showing you um, where the wind is blowing. Um Whereas without it, I sort of, the first time I went through, I relied on the spores. Um, you know how the there's just drifting, you know, drifting spores. Motes of light, yeah. Motes of light. Um, and I was like, oh, I can follow the wind that way. And it's sort of a lot, a lot more difficult than simply grabbing a torch and running. Um, and you are you are provided a torch at the kind of at the beginning of this area. Yeah, so. when you come to the end of the when you come to the end of the uh, torch section, there's a there's a handheld torch you can grab that will serve that purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Lost Woods um, is a is a fun Lost Woods. Um, I think it's it's a good implementation of this. Um, it's not the first time this kind of thing is being done. Ocarina of Time to get to the Spirit Temple, for example, you had to wander a seemingly, you know, infinite desert. Um, yep. But uh, that's actually a very good, that's a very good parallel. I hadn't, I hadn't made that person. Um, I hadn't made that connection myself. That's a great parallel. Yeah. By a desert wasteland. By yeah. following a ghost basically. But this sort of, you takes advantage of the increased graphical, power of a newer console and says well we can make it you know you'll be able to tell which way the wind is blowing and that sort of thing and you can you know find your way that way um so i think it's it's quite a good little uh good little puzzle definitely definitely couldn't agree more well let's go ahead and get into part three y'all which is going to be shrine diving it's not the dungeon map this week. We have no Divine Beast. Uh, we're going to analyze this week's shrine selection, pick out one that we each think is particularly fun to get into. I'm going to go ahead and go first because I think that this is a uh, maybe not even necessarily the most fun shrine in the game, but I think it's got a, a kind of cheap little trick that it does to you. This is the Shada Na Shrine. Um, the tagline is Red Giveaway. It's one of the ones that you find in the Hebrew region. This is one of those shrines where you get an orb and you have to uh, dump it into a few different like wind tunnels and you have to uh, move metal blocks around in such a way to where the orb is blocked from falling off of platforms and you've got to let um, the wind guide the orb into a, a pedestal that will then activate and push you up so you can go see the monk. In this particular shrine, the only way in which you can really make that happen is by 
using magnesis on a section of wall that does not look magnesisable. It's uh, like when you when you pop magnesis out, that section of wall will appear red. Hence the hence the title of the shrine, Red Giveaway. But there's nothing else that's really telling you that you're able to use magnesis on it, right. which I thought was really interesting because it's it's a very tricksy thing for this game to do. It doesn't usually rely on stuff like that you know usually the visual cues for a thing you know if it's magnesisable then it looks metallic and you just know that you know yeah you know another way to do it Lyndon. what is set the orb down hit it with stasis and then just run over to the uh to the push-up thing like that's all you gotta do technically if you like set it well, down look, on the, there's lots if you of fun ways to do this, and I'm happy that you found one. Look, we could have an entire episode about the ways in which people have found to break the way that yeah. you're supposed to beat shrines. Yeah, no, uh, but I look, I totally agree that it's a very interesting puzzle. That it again, it gives you no visual cues that that section of wall is any different than any other section of wall in every shrine ever. So definitely a very interesting one. I think it's uh the, also, the fact that they put the clue to solving it in the name of in the subtext name of the shrine is kind of cool. I mean, I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen that really many other places. Um, no, it's interesting. No, that's really the best giveaway that you kind of have, and it's even kind of like you understand it after you've solved the puzzle. Mm-hmm. But when you read it to begin with, it's kind of like, huh? Well, that 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 is weird. All yeah, right, that's yeah. weird. Uh, Matt, give us your shrine pick. Yeah, so mine is Miro Shaz, which is the tempered power shrine. I love the little roll you gave your R there. It's like Miro. It's like anytime somebody like speaks in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like, into the very fires, fires, fires of, of Gondor. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's kind of what I was going for. Uh, the Miro Shaz shrine, uh, tempered power, which is basically golfing uh, hard mode. And oh, this shrine sucks. Why I love like this, this shrine, shrine, dude. I, I thought it was so much fun. Like, granted, if I had a, I had a hammer of my own, so I didn't just have the one they provide you. So I, I had I break all my every time I play this. Shrine. No, I love this shrine. Um, I love uh, trying to like time it to. All right, if I do two, if I do three, if I do a combo hit, so it's the one, two, three, and then do an extra hit, it gets me this far. But if I do a one, two, pause, don't do the combo, then another one, two, it gets me this far. Because that always dictates how far it goes based on when where it's stasis. So, like, I, I really thought this was a lot of fun. I did, I even did the extra part of it. So there's, you only have to do it twice to get to the monk. But if you go past the monk and go down another level you can do it again where you actually have to shoot the rock through a gap in a like weird shaped tower thing and that will give you a giant core and like i figured out that if you do if you do 3 hits with a giant hammer and then one hit with a regular sword it's the right amount of but you can't do it all with the hammer you have to do it one two three or like four with a hammer and then one with a regular sword it was like really fun for me this i is, had a very good this time this sounds so painfully unfun to sit there and figure out i don't understand you i had a great time it was a lot of fun and i love mostly like i like watching it after it launches and it like cuts to the camera angle at the other end of the uh, shrine where you see it flying is this yeah i mean that's really neat except when i do it i hate it because i'm just (laughs) i'm just seeing the boulder hit the tower and fall into the water from a more interesting angle so 
I had so much fun with it. It was really great. Imagine having the time to find out how many specific hits from a weapon do this. I'm gonna throw one fish at it, uh, drop an apple, hit it with two swords. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the perks of being not married. There, there it is. I'm happy for you. That look, I'm just saying that that is one perk of not being married. I'm not saying anything else. That is that's that's it. Okay, that's the statement. All right, all right. We cool. love you, Matt. Hey, I love you guys too. Okay, and which shrine was that again? Miro Shaw's. Miro Shaw's. Okay, cool. Uh, and where 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 is that one? Is that uh, I think it's south of the uh, Woodland Tower. Oh, okay, gotcha. Cool. Uh, Cody, did you happen to pick out a shrine? That stands out in your memory that you recall being pretty fun. That in a general vicinity of Hebra Woodland, or you know, we'll even give you Northern Gerudo. Well, look, the I w- first I'll say I do also enjoy video game golf. Um, I'm, uh, I think I might have mentioned it last time I was on, but I've never played real golf, but I love video game golf. Um, you know, it's just it's just very. Uh, relaxing to me i've been playing a bunch of mario golf n64 since they put it up on the switch online service um and that was a good time um but the one that i'll give maybe a frustration shout out is this one where you have to break open the doors with the snowball Um, (laughs) yeah yeah and not necessarily because of the snowball but because of the actual location of the shrine is very confusing if you're using the shrine sensor to try and find it. You end up halfway up a mountain on the edge of the map being like, why is it beeping here? There's nothing here. Um, <laughs> and I spent probably like an hour um, when I first played just in the middle of nowhere, climbing up very steep cliffs, listening to it go beep, 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 and saying, there's nothing here. That, you know, and it turns out it was like sunken down beyond some some doors that the doors don't necessarily trigger the, the shrine sensor as being really close either, um, just because the location of it, but it's one where it's if you're trying to find the actual shrine based on the shrine sensor, um, it's very misleading. Yeah, I know exactly the one that you're talking about. There's actually two of those shrines that require you using like snow bowling in order to break down doors. The one you're talking about, I believe, is the Tokuomo shrine, and that's the one Matt was mentioning earlier, which is. Um, the shrine itself is in the skeleton of a giant leviathan in a big ice cave, which is a really cool like view. It's a really cool um, area, no doubt. Uh, then the other one is actually just to the north of Hebrew Tower, and that's the Jihara Shrine. And both of those require you to pilot snowballs down a, like a labyrinthine maze of of um, what like shoots, snow shoots, basically. Yeah, the Jihara one is kind of a pain. Um, Because you have to, like, find the right snow bank path that will lead it. And there's, like, ten. And there's only, like, seven snowballs. So you have not all the choices. And, yeah, that that one's annoying. Uh, Not annoying. That one's a lot harder. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, I think that is a, a fun puzzle, though. Like, yeah, it's it's unlike anything else in the game, really. It, the puzzle, the idea of the puzzle is fun. Um, it's just the location on the map of. Uh, hold on. Let me see if I think this is the I think this is the one. I'm just linking a, an image here. Um, like it's sort of like next to a cliff that's on the edge of yeah, the map. Yeah, that's right, Cody. That's it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, when you actually get in there, it's like, oh, this is really cool. But yeah, just trying to locate it um, based on, on the little radar. I'm like, is this thing broken? Um, you know, it, but uh, yeah, that's my, that that's just my, the, the most memorable thing to me about this region is probably um how lost I got trying to find this shrine. The uh, the Sheikah sensor sound makes me want to throw my switch out a window, so I usually keep that turned off. Yes, but... absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. But yes, I can see where that would be uh, incredibly frustrating. But yeah, uh, either way, definitely a cool shrine, cool shrine puzzle. I can't actually even remember what the puzzle is in that shrine. I know it's not a blessing of anything. Um, I call it being fun? I don't know. Anyway. Maybe I didn't do that one this week, so I'll probably hit it next week. Ooh, yeah, gotta go do that. Gotta get that Leviathan skeleton. No, I did the Leviathan one. Uh, That's the one we're talking about. Oh, I thought we were talking about the other one. No, no, uh, no. Uh, hold on, I have my switch here. Let me go see. That's fine. I yeah, mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah, okay, cool. Let's go ahead and get into part four, which is Bloopy Trails, where we talk about interesting things that diverted our attention in this section of the game. I'm gonna go first. Uh, shield sledding. Well, that's that's an easy one, and obviously the best one. Yeah. This is it's, the best one. Uh, well, okay. You know what? Actually, if you think shield sledding is too easy, then I'll, I'll do a different one. No, you can you can take shield sledding. Because I, I also went to Hyrule Castle Dungeon and got the Hyrule Castle Oh, then you shield. take Hyrule Castle, because I did Hyrule Castle Dungeon like two weeks ago. Okay, sweet. Yeah, so I um, as I was coming back towards the Lost Woods, you kind of have to skirt around the edges of Hyrule Castle. I haven't been there yet. Um, I usually go into the dungeon somewhat early in the game to farm for good uh, gear, which I have not done so far. Uh, but this time I did go ahead. I, I went on down there. I beat the Stalnox, and I got the Hylian Shield. Best shield in the game. Highly recommend getting it. The Stalnox fight is not even necessarily too difficult. It is a little bit more difficult just getting into the dungeon. You have a few different uh, guardian um, stationary guardians that you have to get past. There's a bunch of white or silver Lazalfos and Moblins in the dungeon. They're carrying pretty good stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's dragon, it's dragon bone, Bokoblin malls, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's good stuff though. Yeah, dragon, dragon bone stuff in this game is generally good, even though its durability is not super high. Its damage output is very high. Yeah. So anyway, that was just a fun little thing. I I really try not to turn myself loose in Hyrule Castle too much until it's time for me to actually go like beat it. You know? Yeah. Uh, but I but I enjoyed the detour, and I love getting the Hylian shield. It's just such a fun moment when you finally get that. It's such a classic-looking shield. I love everything about it. Yeah, the Hylian shield is definitely a staple of all Zelda games. Not all, but, like, you know, the all the 3D ones that I know of, besides yeah. uh, Majora's Mask, which has mm-hmm. its own version of the hero shield that looks pretty similar. The other bloopy trail thing that I did was I went and I fought the Frost Talus in Cold Snap Hollow. Because Ooh. yeah, you get that quest from a guardsman in Rito Village, and so you go and you find the Frost Talus, and you don't really get anything better from beating it. 
than uh, the the stuff you'd normally get from beating a talus. But it is a fun fight it's because neat. if you stand on it, then it it freezes you. But if you hit it a few times with a flame weapon, then it will like thaw out for a few seconds and give you a chance to get on top of it and hit the the weak spot. Yep. So that's a fun fight. Um, it's a nice way to shake up the the typical talus fight. And, yeah, for sure. I enjoyed it. Matt, Bloopy Trails, what have you? So mine were really, the two that I did were uh, shield sledding and uh, snow bowling were a lot of fun. I did try to go find a stall horse to take a picture of it. I actually always have a hard time finding stall horses. Uh, I know they're generally found closer to the labyrinth, which as I said before, I didn't go all that close to the labyrinth. So uh, it's probably why I didn't find one. I uh, did try though. Um, also, I love the hidden temple. The 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 one that is in the the Hebra cab the Hebra chasm yeah um I think that place is really cool I don't think it relates necessarily to any historical precedent in any other Zelda game I just think it's so cool to like be flying around in there and there's all those like as soon as you enter it there's like twelve guardian beams that are just like trying to shoot you out of the sky and you're like oh it's in one of those oh shit moments and you're just running for your life and then you make it through and you're like oh that's really cool and then the tallest goddess statue in the entire game is just staring at you and you're like oh hey look at that there's a huge goddess statue well it's right almost like it's it's teasing you it's like a it's like a tease for a dungeon right it's like a dungeon should be in here it looks like a dungeon it does and it's then not it's not, a dungeon. <laughs> but yeah. it should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easy, easy, uh, easy win for a dungeon, but not. Uh, so no, it was, re- I really liked that one as well. Um, but probably my like most fun moment in the game, uh, this week was clearing out the military training camp around the, uh, the woodland tower. Like there's just a ton of enemies and they, a lot of them have bomb arrows, which is new. Um, and there's a lot of explosive barrels that you can use. There's a lot of opportunity to do sneak strikes on some enemies or drop explosive barrels or boulders on top of enemies. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I think we, we should probably take a minute to talk about Korok trials if anybody did those. But I don't know if I'm the only one that did Korok trials. We can save it for later. Cody, if you want to get into any of that as your bloopy trails, then I guess we can. I, I would have put that in shrine diving, honestly. Yeah, but. I mean, I, I did all three. I, I have some thoughts, but I know you didn't do them, so I didn't want to like bring them all up. I can talk about them next week when I know you're probably going to do them. So, well, let's do that. Let's let's get okay. into that in shrine diving next week. Okay, yeah, let's just talk about it next week. But uh, no, so I think this this section of game has some fun diversions as far as you know, learning new things and and getting some fun mini games, uh, getting some easy rupees out of uh, bowling and. And uh, shield surfing, as well as bringing Koroks some things that they want to see, like a ice rod. That was an easy 300 rupees because I had an ice rod on me. Right. So, yeah, yeah. it was good. Cool. Cody, do you, does anything kind of come to mind as something that really diverted uh-huh. your attention in, in this section of the game? Well, I will bring up the stout horse, um, which was mentioned earlier, but um, I think it's something that um, they do only appear at night, by the way, so... Um, if you're looking for them yeah, during also the, probably something I messed up during yeah, the day, sure. they sort of disintegrate during the day, so you're not going to be able to find them. Um, so, yeah, that's one that I just think is fun because there is a there is a quest to get a picture of a stout horse from um, a lady in the stables, but also one of my one of, one of my favorite recurring jokes is when you ride something 
that is not a horse to the stables and try to register it? I don't know if you've tried this before. I have not. So, because you can write all sorts of things. You can be writing a bear or the god of the deer or whatever um, that thing is or a, or a skeleton horse, um, and you can show up to the stables and be like, hey, register my horse. Um, and, you know, initially they're like, oh, yeah, and, and then like, no, that's a monster that's going to eat all the other horses or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, get lost. <laughs> Uh, so try that when you when you do get around to uh finding a uh a style horse try riding it back into the uh, camp and registering it as a horse i'll definitely give that a shot absolutely good tip there so i actually will say i tried to ride many of the snow beasts that you find i tried to ride one of the huge moose and i tried to ride one of the snow rhinoceros and it didn't work i got run over by both i'm pretty sure you can ride the moose maybe i just didn't sneak well enough i don't know i tried i was very excited and it didn't work out i've never successfully ridden any of those either i should probably look that up and see if it's possible but i i yeah i don't think so yeah um i mean you can ride a lionel but only for a few seconds <laughs> unfortunately you can't bring it to the stables. Of combat yeah oh that would be a fun one though wouldn't it uh Matt, let's go ahead and get into uh part five which is z targeting where we lock on to fascinating characters or enemies that we happen to cross um let's let's just rattle them off pretty quick here matt i'm actually gonna go with selmy the shield surfing girl Ooh, it's like a pick. Yeah. Dark Horse pick. I like it. Yeah. yeah she's yeah. a lot of fun. She's got a lot of fun surfer energy, but she lives in like a mountain cabin. You and know? she's also like, don't make surfing your life. That was my mistake. So she's a little jaded about it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like I like I did terrible on the on the bunny slope. What One, was your time? Like 45 seconds. That's terrible. I did like 50 seconds. Oh, really? She still let me go to the advanced course. Well, yeah. So, yeah, I did bad. And then she's like, well, I don't feel good about this. Well, I'll let you go to the advanced course if you want to. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. She's like, tell me, how do you feel about shield surfing? And I was like, shield surfing is, is my, my life. life. And she was like, no, you cannot She's like, progress. that's unhealthy. Go do something else. I was like, <laughs> I was like yeah, like, okay. Oh, All right. Dang it. All right. Well, that was awesome. I'm glad Selmy is here advocating for like that's, a, a healthy balance of things in my life. That's but. probably how our scuba instructors felt when we were like, we want to take advanced open water scuba. And they were like, do you really? You're from Texas. You don't like live near water. <laughs> yeah. So Selmy's a real one. She's not afraid to tell you how it is. Selmy also has got a wonderful collection of shields in her cabin. Uh, some She's of, got a Royal Guard shield in there. That thing is dope. Uh, the one that she actually has that's harder to find is the kite shield. It's the shield that it's it's made by the Rito and it's got the same symbol as your paraglider. And that one is really tough to get. In master mode, you can actually get one from one of those floating platform deals. I don't know where you get it in regular mode. But um, if you're looking yeah, to – Yeah, I didn't know that that existed. Yeah, so. if you're looking to complete your compendium, like you're, if you're cataloging every item in the game, which some crazy people do that um, – I'm not one of them, but nope. you can find the kite shield there in the uh, in the shield surfing cabin. So there you go the for you collectors. Yeah, Matt, who's your Z targeting pick? Uh, so I I'm going to take an easy pick, but for a, a different reason. Uh, the Deku tree is my pick. Um, obviously, all the reasons we've talked about how cool it is, the lore implications, the the connectivity between other games. But I think the Deku tree is probably one of the best voice acted characters in the game. I think they really captured the essence of an ancient tree 
a guardian spirit with the voice acting. It's a very slow, measured style of speaking. Uh, it's a deep voice. It's it's just very well done. I think that the the voice acting here uh, sets a good precedent for moving forward for having voice acting within Zelda. So. He's de- he's definitely pretty in line with all the ancient trees that I've ever talked to. I mean, yes, I would agree with that. Cool. Do you, con- do you converse with a lot of ants, Linden? Uh, tree beard specifically. <laughs> Gnawing, biting, biting, breaking, hacking, burning. <laughs> uh, good uh, Lord of the Rings Two Towers uh, deep deep cut for you guys. Jeez, uh, we are not nerds. Actually, we totally are. We're, we're, we we're, have a Zelda podcast. We're, we're self proclaimed nerds. Uh, no, I think that I think it's just really good. Uh, the voice acting uh, on top of everything else we've talked about. Who so. would win in a fight between Treebeard and the Deku Tree? I don't think the Deku Tree ever actually fights anything that i've seen so but it could they wouldn't fight they drink ant water together and grow bigger that's true they that's would. true that's fair that's fair cody have you a z targeting pick uh yeah i mean first i'll say the the talking tree you have to watch out for is the one from the oracle games the the anime the great anime tree with big eyes <laughs> right uh, <laughs> that is in love with link uh that's a dangerous tree um <laughs> so yeah the um my z targeting is um or z targeting um as we don't call it um <laughs> is going to be the koroks inside the deku tree um yeah i i don't know if you had much chance to just wander inside and um and have a look at the deku tree but there's one there's one core up there that's just like prepared a bed for you. Um, is like, oh, Mr. Hero, I made you know a bed out of leaves for you. I don't want your rupees. You're so great. Um, and then you ha- have a couple of other little merchants um, in there. I think it's just a fun little area um, in there with some fun little characters. Yeah, but I I wonder who does the shop. Like the the Korok who set up a shop in there. Who's that shop for? It's for us. They literally it, set this whole thing up for right. us. They idolize us, Lyndon. Oh, okay. They Fine. idolize okay. us. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's probably my my pick for this time. Um, I think it's fun to get some of the Koroks that have personalities, and because there's lots of Koroks in this game, um, mostly what they say is yahaha and. Ouch. Yeah. Um, depending on how much I hit them with a rock. Um, I hit them with a rock almost all the time on accident. Like literally I'm just sitting there spamming a, to get rid of the dialogue trees. And I always end up dropping, dropping the rock on their head. And I always feel bad about it. But yeah, it's fun to meet some of the ones with, uh, with their own little clear personalities. So um, I enjoyed that. I wanted to give an honorable shout out to Hestu because I was able to drastically expand all of my weapon and shield inventories. I need and I to can do that. actually carry a decent amount of things now instead of just dropping weapons constantly to pick up new weapons. I can actually just like pick up weapons now. I just it feels so good to have a decent sized inventory. Hestu now. said, ah, 69 Korok seeds. <laughs> I'll take those. Thank you very nice. much. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Does he give you something special of a, a more intimate nature if you give him 69 Korok seeds? He tried, but I declined the offer. He's not my type. Maybe a string of Korok beads. <laughs> he tried to give me he tried to give me a nice uh, lubed up string of Korok beads that didn't work out. Ew. It didn't work out well for anybody. Why? 
You can cut that out if you want to. But I don't was, like that. <laughs> it's there. I don't enjoy that. I'm going to have to leave it in because it makes for good pod, but I don't like it. Have it be known that Matt said the word lubed. I did. I did say it. On a don't podcast. believe that's previously been said on this podcast. <laughs> I think it is not. That's probably a, a sacred realm's first. Good. Yay. I'm, hey, it's the first time for everything. I'm happy. This one could be now. Detective Mike brings it out for us. Appreciate that's for you, sure. Matt. Awesome. Well, this brings us to part six, which is our final thoughts, in which we let Matt tie this thing up in the most succinct manner in which he can, uh, in which it can occur to him to do. So this section of game offered a lot of really great exploration from the uh, tundra wastelands of Hebro, where we can encounter some really awesome enemies, from Lionels to uh, icy Lazalfos to stall horses, etc. Um, some really cool shrines that took some uh, ingenuity and some creative thinking to access. A really cool Leviathan skeleton, which those are pr- honestly one of my favorite parts of the general uh, setup of Breath of the Wild is the Leviathan skeleton. So I always think they're super cool. Uh, going there east towards the uh, towards the woods you have the great chasm of hebra which has the hidden temple which is really awesome uh some really good combat that you can have within the military training grounds surrounding the woodland tower into uh the ever-present lost woods um i think at least in my own personal experience introduced in link to the past which then carries over through most of the mainline zelda games um really great iteration of that recurring theme leading us up into uh, a great connecting line of the great Deku tree where we finally get to encounter the centerpiece of most Zelda games, which is the master sword um, tying that all in with some awesome character building and cutscenes uh, regarding Zelda and the master sword itself and its connection to link Um and culminating in the epic moment of finally claiming the Master Sword after all of our trials and tribulations throughout the game, where we get to triumphantly lift the Master Sword in a wonderful beam of light and the really cool cinematic, which I always take lots of screenshots for, uh, where we claim the Master Sword for our own. Um, overall, just a very phenomenal section of game that offers a lot of what Breath of the Wild really stands for and uh, showcases its strengths. There you go. This has been the Sacred Realms Rundown. We will, of course, be back next week with another installment of the Sacred Realms Rundown, which is going to take us to yet another Divine Beast. We're going to Death Mountain next week, Matt. Yeet! Fire! Lots of fire. Lots of fire. What is actually probably my least favorite uh, Divine Beast in this game is coming up next uh, week. Yeah, definitely. But uh, but it's a fun section of game. And we The we Gorons meet, are cool. We meet a, a wonderful lad by the name of Daruk. And he is an interesting character, which we, I'm sure we will have much... Words Can't wait to, to get say. into it. More importantly, I can finally get a better freaking hammer once I get up to Death Mountain. Ah, oh, stone crushers, dude. Give me all the stone crushers. God. Can't wait. Can't wait. That will, of course, be next week, though. Um, in terms of wrapping up this episode of the show, I just want to say that, Cody, it is always a pleasure to have you on. We really appreciate you coming around. I know that this time difference is a lot to juggle. Um, I know that I always get it wrong, and I apologize for that. That's right. Maybe one day. I I always enjoy coming on and uh, seeing what's happening in Texas, what kind of varmints you're wrestling up uh, over there. (laughs) The varmints are wrestling. There's one thing we have a lot of in Texas is varmints. So, Uh, um, although I feel I feel like you really have got uh, you as an Australian have got quite a bit more of a extreme varmint situation than we do. They have murder sure. varmints. They have lots of murder, murder varmints. varmints. That's true. Yeah, you have to watch out for the murder varmints. Um, uh, yeah. So part seven, uh, the new part that I invented just now, 
Um, it's called Cody's Tips and Tricks. Um, Ooh, give us some tips and, and tricks. I just wanted Lay to bring down. up a couple of things that when I was listening to some of the earlier episodes, I was noting down like, oh, they might not know about that. Um, first one, uh, you said at some point there was no indication that a guardian is active, those, you know, ones that are in the wreckage. Um, yeah. So stasis is your best friend. Um, it basically works as bat vision, um, highlighting the guardians that are still alive. That's when you have improved stasis, right? Because normal stasis can't hit enemies. Right. So if with improved stasis, okay. um, you can wander around um, those areas and be like, you can't trick me this time. Um and just stasis them before they get you, uh, and it's much less stressful. So uh, you won't get fooled again. <laughs> yeah, won't get fooled again. That's a famous Texas saying, as I understand it. <laughs> it's certainly a famous CSI Miami saying. <laughs> I'm going to cut that. Did in you there. Did you put your glasses on before you said it? You have to. Yeah. You better, do not cut that. Do not cut that. <laughs> no. Okay, Cody, please continue with your tips and tricks. This uh, this is great. All right, so <laughs> the second one, uh, I heard some disparagement of the stealth set, the uh, the Sheikah set. Um, it's true. And I just want to say that I use it as my default when I'm wandering around because um, it makes it 100 times easier to catch bugs and stuff because none of them run away. Um, so if Ooh. you are needing to collect any sort of insects or anything like that, um, remember your chic set because you can just walk up to them and grab it. Uh, it means that every time I talk to Beetle, um, he's always like, wow, that's a rare Beetle. And I'm like, oh, did I get one? I guess I did. Um, so, you know, just because I'm just really stocked up really stocked up on small creatures that uh, that run away from you at first sight. So, Cody, is that an Australian thing? Just you're walking st- up on bugs? You're stacked up on small creatures and you catch bugs? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have to be able to see them before they see you. That's the basics of survival in Australia. <laughs> Do Australians have a stealth suit that is standard? To your people, I, I imagine it like the suit in Dune, where it's the uh, it's the one that holds your holds your water. Your uh, the what are they called? A still suit. Yeah, still suit. I think that would that would work. Yeah, we it's our um, it's our traditional Australian outfit is actually a spider detector, um, and so we have to make sure that before the spider sees us, we see the spider. Um, I think that's totally fair. So spiders terrify me. Yeah, well, especially when they're the size of a hand um, and you've just <laughs> sat down on the toilet um, and it's staring at you. <laughs> anyway, come, there's to, anything come to Australia I... to visit. <laughs> Cody, you're giving me very few reasons to want to do that. <laughs> if there's if there's anything I know about Australia just from existing on the internet, it's that every time you sit down on the toilet, there's a hand sized spider, just like there. hanging out somewhere in yeah. in eyesight. It's in there. It's waiting it's somewhere. Yeah. So I already love the episodes where Cody's on, but now I'm even more impressed that he's alive for each episode. <laughs> right? He hasn't been eaten by a hand sized spider. Well, it seems like the days are numbered. Like one of these days. One of these days, we're going to try and get a hold of Cody for an episode. It's like, 
Where's Cody? He got oh, eaten no. by a hand-sized spider. I'm always wearing my Sheikah suit. Um, <laughs> so that I can get the jump on these spiders, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, oh, good. So, yeah, look, in seriousness about Australia, uh, the wildlife isn't that dangerous if you are not, like, out in the desert where most people don't live. Most people live on the coast in a city, um, not in the desert with the poisonous snakes um, because it turns out that people live where there's water and stuff that you need to live. Um, That's fair. Fair. So, um, you know, just, just like you probably have a bunch of, uh, I don't know, areas in Texas. That's like, you've got to watch out for those. What's in Texas? Rattlesnakes. Definitely. Definitely rattlesnakes, copperheads, Um, et cetera. You know, and the rattlesnakes at least are polite enough to be like, here's my, here's my little bell. Um, yeah don't come over here don't come over here um but yeah look australia it's it's not that bad if you're not uh wandering the outback um trying to wrestle with crocs um so which most people are not in fact doing um because 95 (laughs) percent of australians live in a city so just wanted to just wanted to clear up that misunderstanding about australia um, what what is the craziest critter that you've ever seen in your life as an Australian? Well, I mean, look the platypus like in the in the, wi- in the wild. The platypus still ranks up there. Um, like, have you seen a platypus in real life? Like, not in a zoo. Once, um, but we were. <gasps> it's not like they're in the city areas either. But like, we were in a sort of like on an. On an adventure, I've been out to the Great Barrier Reef and various other places, and you know, gone to gone to various tourist places as well. So, I have seen a lot of these animals. I ha- you do see kangaroos and stuff occasionally. If you're, you know, again, if you're out, if you're out on rural roads and stuff, you have to be like, oh, let's watch out in case a kangaroo jumps in front of you, in front of your car. But that's, that's amazing, you know. Again, that's the similar similar to Texas, where you have um, road runners and wily coyotes, and you know <laughs> when you're on those rural roads, Deer. you have to make sure that the wily coyote hasn't set up a painting that's actually a perfect picture of, <laughs> of the area in front. No, so you you I I I think you're joking, but in all seriousness, so our our parents, Matt's and my parents, live in the country about ten minutes from my current house, and every time we drive out there for you know go spend a day at the pool or whatever, um, there's country roads between here and there, and there's one corner where I I want to say that I see a road runner crossing the road there. Fifty percent of the time, yeah, at least he lives over there. Yeah, um, he hangs out, and we see coyotes fairly often. Almost, we, cer- we certainly hear them all the time. And packs of wild hogs also roam. Uh, the oh areas. yeah, I heard that. Yeah. There's thirty to fifty of them. <laughs> what is oh god it's the 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 internet meme mill has like progressed to a point where i remember that being funny but i don't remember the specific memeage i don't remember the meme lineage of the 30 to 50 wild hogs i just remember that i got a really good belly laugh out of it because mm-hmm. i have seen a herd of 30 to 50 wild hogs in person multiple times yes, they do they they do exist they do yeah but yeah anyway to your point cody uh the the roadrunner and the coyote uh, they do exist in the same ecosystem, and I have seen 
one of each in the same day in my life. Oh, yeah, many times. Yeah. And then having dynamite is rare. The, yeah, no, they don't normally pack weapons, anvils, dynamites, pianos, painting uh, capabilities. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They're not, roadrunners are actually in the wild, um, not spectacular artists. No, so. not really. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Mediocre of, at best. Yeah. Mediocre. Uh, I was gonna, I wanted to go to Texas, but I wanted to see the famous art skills of Wile E. Coyote, and now, now you're telling me that he's not good at art. He's a plagiarist. It's fictional. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry to bu- I'm sorry to burst that bubble for you. But if what? you ever do want to come to Texas and visit, you are more than welcome. Do it. Come on over. Well, so yeah, so that that's part eight. I don't know what part we're on. Australia facts. Um, yes, <laughs> seven and eight. <laughs> Cody's tips and Australia facts. Um, and yeah, gonna, and, and part we're going to retitle this episode Cody and the Platypus. <laughs> <laughs> Part nine is my my part um, that's called uh, Matt. Do you intentionally mispronounce a character's name in each game? Um, <laughs> oh my god! Hold on. Okay, I I, I do. I want to know what am I mispronouncing this time? Because and I know that Na- Navi was Navi. obviously a mispronouncing. Navi is apparently the correct pronunciation, and I feel like I've done my best to correct that. So what have I mispronounced this time? I, I'm genuinely curious. Look, I. Fi, um, which I think is spelled in Japanese F-A-I, um, as in like the Greek letter, uh, is pronounced Fi and not Fi. Really? Really? Yeah. Um, because Fi, the Greek letter, is spelled P-H-I. Well, then I'm equally guilty of that one. Yeah. Um, so if you if you look up uh, Fi on, uh, let's see. We were on Zelda Wiki. Um, you can see, um, yeah, it's pronounced Fi, and I believe in Japanese um, it is spelt F-A-I. Um, well, now I'm looking it up right now. Can we please do a poll of commonly mispronounced Zelda words to see how people pronounce them? I would love that actually. And in, that's going up on that's going up on our Patreon. Do that once weekly. No, do it on Twitter, dude. Oh, we'll do it on Twitter and Patreon. How about that? Um, yeah, in in French and Spanish, it is uh, fay, um, or at least I think that's how it would be pronounced. As in, oh, like, he, he's right. It's right here. Pronunciation: F A I, fi. Wow. Damn. Shocker. It's a whole new world. So we did that for an entire season. We did an entire season uncorrected by anybody. Oh yeah. I mean, it is a, I mean, it is, it is a common pronunciation. Like a lot of people, I mean, even the Deku tree or the Deku tree or the Dooku tree, uh, for those, (laughs) which I have heard, uh, I don't know why Count Dooku, uh, comes into it, but, uh, you know, the Dooku, the great Dooku tree, um, I, I say, I say Deku tree as if it's, like French, um, even though it is um, canonically would be Deku Tree, um, named after Deku, the main character of My Hero Academia. My favorite part of this entire game is when Link walks up to the great Dooku Tree and says, my powers have doubled since this the last, is the last time, time we, we met, met. Count. <laughs> <laughs> Look, oh, I think man. Star Wars prequel quotes make everything better. <laughs> Literally There's no ever. doubt about that. 
Uh, we will uh, we will watch your career with great interest, Cody. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, all right. We got to wrap this thing up and get out of here. This has been an absolute blast. I particularly enjoyed the back twenty five minutes in which Cody just roasted Matt. For <laughs> hey, that's not fair. <laughs> but it was a great time, Cody. Uh, seriously though, we love having you on. Um, we will absolutely be bringing you on again sometime soon. We've got a lot more episodes of Breath of the Wild that are actually unclaimed by anybody so if any of those look good to you then let us know uh they're yours whichever one you want all right sounds good uh i will i will be back um i'll come up with some new parts we might get up to part 12 um next (laughs) one uh the sacred i hear that the sacred realms rundown in australian uh traditionally always has 12 parts so that only oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, Cody, seriously, uh, best of luck to you with uh, everything you're doing with Zelda Universe and in your um, in political your camp- career. Yeah, and in your political career, uh, we wish the best for you, and we 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 hope for a smooth uh, re-election campaign for you. Thank you. Yep, uh, and of course, actually, we we go ahead and just let everybody know where they can follow you. Um, it's a it's a it's a great time following Cody on social media. So you. Oh do- yeah, um, I. I will, uh, you may find on the Sacred Realm social media, um, if I link it to them, uh, a famous series of tweets that I made that went viral um, about Breath of the Wild, um, of which I ended up finding the image to share on iFunny, um, which shows just how much it's appeared here and there. But, yeah, there's there's some great tweets that I had where I, was in master mode in Breath of the Wild on like the day that master mode launched, discovered there was a Lionel in the starting area in the Great Plateau in master mode and had a bit of an adventure um, trying to fight it. So um, you can find that on twitter.com slash magicody. That's M-A-G-I-C-O-D-Y. And then you can follow Zelda Universe at Zelda Universe in most places on YouTube, we're at Zelda Universe TV, um, but on Twitter we're at Zelda Universe. Um, we have a website at ZeldaUniverse.net. We have a forums. We have a, a Discord server at Discord.gg/Zelda, um, which was a great URL for Discord that we managed to to get. So, if you want to find out more as Breath of the Wild two approaches, we will be doing uh, very excited coverage. Wonderful. Can't wait to check that out. Obviously, the hype train for Breath of the Wild 2 is uh, in full swing. Is in full swing and it's only going to uh, it's only going to increase in speed. So good times there. Follow Zelda Universe for uh, you know any and all updates. Those are great channels, great resources if you're a fan of Zelda. Matt, you ready to get out of here for the week? I'm ready. It's uh, almost midnight, so let's... It's, <laughs> you have a 45-minute drive back home, so... I sure do. Cool. Alright, if you enjoyed today's show and you would like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod. You can become a patron. If you've got no rupees, it's not a problem. Five-star Apple podcast reviews are a 
great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show. That makes us very happy, Hylians. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Sacred Realms Pod for updates on the podcast and for behind the scenes action. Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday with our thoughts on Breath of the Wild, Chapter 8, covering Death Mountain and the Divine Beast Varudania. Breath of the Wild can be played on the Nintendo Switch and the Wii U. Of course, we always love for you to play along with us and to share your thoughts on our social channels. In the meantime, may your hearts be full. May your arrows never miss. We will catch you all next time. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel in Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameChops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences. 